Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Welcome back, everybody. The Oilers and the Anaheim Ducks tomorrow night at 8 p.m. here on the Oilers Radio Network. Dallas Aikens, the head coach of the Ducks, will join us today at 105. Uh, momentarily, Elliot Friedman coming up from NHL Hockey and Rogers, but not before I tell you the guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue and tell Chris and Chef Eltaf that Oilers now sent you. Open Tuesday through Sunday from 5 until 10 p.m. We will head off to the River Creek Resort and Casino Hotline and hook up with Elliot Friedman for uh, Abe's Door Service, where services are specialty. Visit abesdoor.ca. Elliot, of course, one of the most plugged-in men in the business. Hello, Elliot. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you doing? Well, the Oilers have the best record in the Western Conference since Christmas. They're the best record in the league in the month of March. How do you think I'm doing? Well, seeing as how you are the number one oiler cheerleader, I'm sure you're doing very well. Wow, you nailed me. There you go. <laughs> I got to tell you, I was watching last night. Yes. Boy, like, there, there's no questioning that, that Cam and Connor McDavid are related. Holy smokes, they're like dead ringers for each other. Oh, yeah, that was funny. Yeah. So, uh, and, you know, yeah, it's, well, we'll get to Connor in a second because I want to, yeah. you, you put out 32 thoughts today. You had Jay Woodcroft on about two weeks ago. And yeah. uh, you referenced the fact that the Oilers had an opportunity uh, with a Eastern Conference team to, to take on a, a depth defenseman. And Jay Woodcroft had a lot of belief uh, in Vincent DeHernay. Um, yeah. Did you find that to be interesting? I did. Well, the one thing I was, uh, the one of the things I was most interested about it is, is that, you know, Woodcroft is obviously a young guy in his first head, head coaching opportunity. And one of the things I always am curious about, Bob, is how much say does the coach have in the roster? And, you know, you've got one of the most experienced general managers in the league, and you've got one of the most inexperienced coaches in the league, not in terms of coaching experience, but NHL head coaching experience. And sometimes, you know, you would think that that could mean that the GM just says, look, I'll handle this. I'll buy the ingredients and you cook the meal. And um, I just when I was doing the research for that article, someone told me that Holland actually listened to Woodcroft on one particular situation where they had where they could have acquired another defenseman. And Woodcroft basically said, no, I really. And he actually said in the interview that he knew the roster in Bakersfield really well because he coached there. And he really believed that a certain player was already a fit. And it didn't take me long to figure out who he was talking about. And as you said, that's Darnay. But I just thought it was really interesting because I think some people would assume that knowing how long Holland's been around and the fact that Woodcroft's basically a year into his NHL tenure, that maybe he wouldn't have that kind of pull with his GM. And, and the bottom line, too, Bob, is I think I think Darnay has shown very clearly why Woodcroft believes in him. He's played 30 games. He's plus 14. Now, they've done a good job sheltering him early. They've started to mm -hmm. accelerate a little bit occasionally, <laughs> playing with Darnell Nurse. Cody Cece's been dealing with something for about three months now. Uh, mm -hmm. Hasn't been quite on the level that he was at in the back half of last season. You know, Elliot, it's been my experience, and it's happened here in Edmonton, that when the general manager stops listening to the coach, that's when the coach is in trouble. And uh, I'm not necessarily 
in inferring that's what the current regime. So, and there, and I'll take it one step further. If I'm Ken Holland, I, I would want Jay Woodcroft's feedback. He's coaching the team. And the other part of it is, mm-hmm. since Jay's taken over as the head coach of the Edmonton Oilers, they have the best record in the Western Conference since February 10th last year. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of people, when the Oilers lost that game January 9th uh, to L.A., uh, Edmonton dropped to 21-18-3. Yeah. 23-5-6 since. So mm-hmm. they've been a second-half team. You also referenced Matthias Ekholm. Yeah. It's been a good fit, hasn't it? Oh, really good. And you know, the thing about Ekholm, and I'm sure you've seen this, Bob, is that he's, he's, a, he's a really friendly guy. He's a good talker. And But the thing is, he's like I. one of the things I've always appreciated throughout the years, Bob, is the players who can take an idiot like me and explain why things happen. And Ekholm is, is, is one of those guys. He's always been very good about, if you ask him, why something happens or how something happens. He's, he's very good at breaking it down in a way that I can understand. And uh, I just thought his point about, you know, when sometimes when you go back behind the net and there's a line change and you're trying to settle down the game, you kind of just wait there and slow things down until everyone gets into place. And he's like, no, not here. I have to get my head up quicker because with McDavid and Dreisaitl, if you can, you know, they, they're looking to explode or get in dangerous positions while the other team is still trying to set up. So we just talked about how he has to get he has to get his head up quicker and get the puck into places where those guys are dangerous. And, you know, I just thought it was, a, you know, it's probably a thing that a lot of us wouldn't think of. And it's a small thing, but it's a very big thing. And it, it just shows you how well he processes the game. For all of the reasons it was good to go out and get him, um, th- this is another one. I've always liked dealing with Ackholm over the years and the way that he's handled himself since he was traded to the Oilers. I think uh, everybody around you would probably agree that he's uh, a really good fit. Oh, Elliot, you did it to me. Uh, I- I'm going to have to reference uh, a remark that was made during the 1988 uh, election. You know, Elliot... I've known known a lot of idiots over the years. I worked with several idiots over the years. (laughs) At times, I, too, was an idiot. And you, sir, are no idiot. You know what I'm talking about. That was was Lloyd uh, Lloyd uh, Benston, uh, Republican candidate senator. Uh, This is after uh, Dan Quayle had basically suggested that he was John F. Kent future. I see myself. Remember that? That was one of the greatest comebacks ever. Made me laugh. Yeah, that was a great line. That was a great line. You're no idiot, Elliot, okay? <laughs> some days. Yeah, well, some trust days. me, I look in the mirror some days, and it's like, I know. So here's where I'm going to go with this. Six foot four at home, six foot six day day. Two years ago, mm-hmm. Elliot, the Oilers played the Winnipeg Jets in the uh, mm-hmm. uh, in the bubble year in the playoffs. Uh, Edmonton uh, lost three games in overtime in that series. In game yep. six, and I love Chris Russell. Like, I, I'm a big mm-hmm. Chris. He's five foot ten. Okay. Yeah. The Oilers had two 5'11", 197-pound defensemen. Ethan Bear, who uh, didn't play a lot in that game, and Tyson Berry, who played with Chris Russell in a pairing. So they had three yep. D-men under six feet. Uh, they had Nurse. Mm-hmm. They had Larson. Uh, Cuckoo was the other guy that was playing. He hardly played at all in that game as well. Edmonton, basically, it was, it was Nurse. Yeah, they played 4D. I they played 4D. Those guys played a ton of minutes. They played a ton of minutes, yeah. And Ken loves tree. Ken Holland loves trees on defense. And I'm looking at the makeup of Edmonton's D. 
And yes, they've they've added depth, obviously, with Hyman and Kane up front. Newton Hopkins is having a wonderful season. They got more guys coming. McLeod's going to get back in the way, uh, mix here, final week of the regular season. And he can skate. But, you know, Bukes has a nice ad. But the D looks so different. You know what I mean? Like, it's a big, yes, it does. heavy. You know, you got Nurse and Eckholm on the left side, and, and they're both six foot four. Kulak six foot one and a half and can skate. CC six foot three. You got Bouchard at six two, who's really grown playing with Eckholm. And then you have Deherney, who's a lot like Hawkenpaw. It's and it's. I do you not concur with me. It should be a reason of confidence for Oilers fans. It's it's part of what Ken Holland wanted. He wanted bigger, heavier, tougher defense, and he's got it. You know, there, there's going to be some people who are going to hear what you say there and their eyes are going to roll back into their head because they think that size is overrated. I, I'm going to tell you what a conversation I had with a player watching the Stanley Cup final last year between Colorado and Tampa. So uh, Colorado lost uh, Sam Girard in the second round against St. Louis. He took a, a big hit from Barbashev and he was knocked out of the playoffs. And I think that the... The real challenge there, like, so they lose Gerard and Jack Johnson gets a regular shift after that. And, you know, a lot of people would say, well, you lose Gerard, who's a really talented player, and you plug in Johnson, it's a huge loss for a team. And what this player said to me was, if you watch that final between Colorado and Tampa, and you go to, like, NHL.com or wherever, or Sportsnet.ca, and you look at the heights and weights of all the players, the smallest defenseman in the final, I think he was. Li- I think he's listed when I checked as 5'11", 187, was Kel McCarr. And, you know, he said that you have to be able to move. Like, you, you can't be big and sterile. You have, to, you have to be able to move. But he said, watching that Stanley Cup final, you couldn't get anywhere. Anytime you tried to go through someone on that defense – there was a leg or there was an arm or there was a stick. There was just something in the way. There was no open ice. And I think the key, Bob, is you have to be able to move. You can't play this game now if you have bad feet or you'll be exposed really quickly. But the advantage of height is length. And you can make, you make it like a forest to get through. And this player said, watching the Stanley Cup final last year between those two teams, he thought that's a reason why those two teams are really good. They have great players. Um, Tampa particularly has the phenomenal goaltender, but they were impossible to get through because they were so big and so mobile. And I think if you can do that now, it increases your chances of success. And, like, you know, Edmonton, they're big, and you know some guys are more mobile than other others. But I think it's noticeable from that game that you talked about a couple of years ago. All right, uh, Elliot Friedman joining us right now for Abe's Door Service. In your thirty-two thoughts uh, piece today, multiple references to the new head of the NHLPA, Mark yeah. Walsh, and one of the things that he wanted to to clear up had to do. Uh, with the fact that during his days as a politician, that he, uh, you know, he was supported by Jeremy Jacobs, the owner of the Boston Bruins, and this obviously ties all the way back into Bill Wirtz and Alan Eagleson back in the day with Jim Harrison. Yeah, well, there's, you know, I, I will say this: when that, when those stories first got out, and uh, Jeremy Jacobs donated to him, and John Henry, who's the owner of Fenway, 
which owns the Pittsburgh Penguins, they made a big donation for his mayoral inauguration. And, you know, like you said, there's people who've been around for a long time, whether they're former players or current agents, like they remember that. And that's a big deal to them. And I remember when some of them first reached out to me about I was calling around and asking people what they thought. And some people were like, that's not a big deal. And those people took big offense to that. They, they said, you know, we are forgetting our history. So, I mean, Luke Fox, uh, my teammate, was one of the, was the guy who asked him uh, at the press conference. And we did a separate sit-down interview where I, I talked to him a bit more with those answers that are in the blog today. I mean, you know, you saw Walsh yesterday, Bob. He played very safe. Yep. You know, he didn't he didn't he didn't say any like he didn't he wasn't breathing fire. He wasn't making ridiculous statements. Um, he kept it pretty calm. I mean, the only real newsworthy thing he said was that, um, you know, was was about the cap. They weren't willing to lift their escrow. Um, other than that, he played it really safe. But on that one, he was pretty passionate. And, you know, basically, he said uh, to me, we raised millions of dollars uh, when he was in politics, and that wasn't even 1% of what I raised. And he said, I, if you think I'm going to throw away my representation of the players for those donations, he basically said, you're nuts. And the one thing that he said over and over again in different ways was, I believe we have to grow the game together, but I represent the players. And you know, I just think if you're going to be you're going to rise to be the mayor of Boston or you're going to be a, a rise to be the secretary of labor like that high a position in the U.S., you don't get there without a fair amount of bare knuckle brawling. Like he didn't show that side of him yesterday, but you can't reach those positions without it. Well, we should explain to our listeners that Bill Wirtz was at one time the most powerful owner in the National Hockey League. Alan Eagleson mm-hmm. was head of the NHLPA. Jim Harrison, who set a 10-point uh, single-game record in the old WHA for the, uh, the Edmonton Oilers, was supposed to be represented by Alan Eagleson on, a back, on an injury settlement, and this kind of undid Alan Eagleson in the end because he was basically being paid by two different entities. Yeah, there was a, I mean, you could read it. There's a lot of work on it. Like it was, yeah. um, you know, there, there's a lot of work on it. Um, and anybody who can read about that and figure out exactly what happened. There's a lot of great work on that. One thing that you also referenced in 32 Thoughts was Arizona. Have you been there yet? Arizona's a mullet? No, not yet. Okay. Obviously, we were just there the other night. Yep. Lots of Oilers fans. It's not conducive long-term to success. You know what or get off the pot time, right? Here come May 16th? Yes. It's, uh, well, first of all, Wal- like that was actually another thing that Walsh had a pretty, uh, pretty solid statement on. He's going to meet with the Coyotes players next week. It's obviously a big priority for them. Like, I do know that there were people around the Players Association, also agents, who felt that the PA had to take a stronger stance on the Arizona situation in Mullet Arena. Like, I'm not sure if there was anything they could have done, but still felt that it was accepted too easily. And, you know, I, I thought it was interesting that he said that they basically said they're pro players, they shouldn't be playing in a college arena. I mean, one way or the other, I think we're going to get some clarity uh, in the middle of May, Bob, because either 
we're going to know they're on track to getting an arena or we're going to know they're not. So at some point, and if it's not, you know, we're going to have to figure out what, what's going on here. So I think that's kind of, I think we're going to know in six weeks what we're dealing with here. I, I do. Elliot. But I'll, but, I, but I'll say, but I'll say this, like Bob, I, I like, I was talking to somebody about it again today after what Walsh said yesterday. And this person said to me, like, this is a big, big market and they will do everything they can to make that work. There you have it. Elliot, as always, thank you for joining us here on Oilers Now. So are you uh, are you uh, working tomorrow night, Docs? Are you going to be on TV with us? No, because it's a national game. I only do the regionals. You should demand it as part of your contract next time, Bob. If you want me on the regionals, you got to make me national. Too. Yeah, I, I just somehow I don't think I have that type of pull, Elliot, and they're far too smart at NHL hockey and Rogers. <laughs> I don't know about that. Take care, Bob. Have a great weekend, okay? Thanks a lot. That is Elliot Friedman from NHL Hockey and Rogers for Abe's Door Service. It is 12.51 in Edmonton. We're going to step out for about three and a half minutes. Uh, Dallas Aikens coming up today at uh, 105. You're listening to Oilers Now. All right, it's 12.54 in Edmonton. Bob Stauffer and Brendan Escott with you. For you golfers out there, if you're looking for a golf tour bucket list, New West Travel has it. In October, a chance to golf world-famous Pinehurst in North Carolina. It's home of the 2024 U.S. Open as part of a five-day golf getaway. Your Pinehurst golf package includes airfare by private charter with open bar, meals, four-night spectacular accommodation, five rounds of golf, including the stunning U.S. Open at Pinehurst. Space is limited to reserve your tee time. Reach out to New West Travel or newwesttravel.com. All right, so let's go to the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Here we go. Good day, Bob. Jamie here. With Winnipeg falling off a cliff, what do you think the chances are of Edmonton winning the division and Calgary squeaking in to get a battle of Alberta in the first round? Well, it'd be five teams out of the Pacific, which I believe I predicted at the start of the year. Um, Brendan, what do you think? Does Calgary get in? Oh, man. Yes, but it's because Winnipeg is fumbling the football like nothing I've ever seen. It's a team that has no intestinal fortitude out there in uh, in central Canada. So I think I think it could shape up exactly like that Dexter said. Uh, we all love Stuart Skinner, right? Like, I mean, you get a, you get to see what Stuart's like after games and just what a consummate young like he's mature beyond his years. But he is unproven heading into the playoffs. If Edmonton had Connor Hellebuck, they would be the unequivocal favorite to win the Western Conference. I'm telling you that right now. I mean, you, Connor Hellebuck's got a 917 save percentage. Now, Skinner went up to 911 after yesterday's game, and Skinner's got lots of runway left here. This is going to, like, he is scratching the surface. But I'm just saying, that's what's crazy about Winnipeg. How are they in this position? They got one of the five best goalies in the entire league. Well, you know how they're in this position? Shifley's minus 19. Connor's minus 13. Um, and they got a bunch of guys whose deal, Wheeler looks like he's done. They got several players whose contracts are up in the next couple of years, including Hellebuck, including Shifley. Um, it is going, uh, Dubois, who has seemingly never happened. There's just something off with that team. Like, I, And that said, 
Winnipeg could pull it together. I've, my experience watching Winnipeg is they're emotional. Think back. We, we mentioned the 2021 season and what the Oilers' defense looked like in that series against the Jets. That was the year Edmonton beat Winnipeg six consecutive games in the regular season. Then they get game one at home, no fans, it's dead quiet. Pogliarvi scores early in the second period, but the Jets get a quick response. They get the go-ahead goal, get two empty netters, win 4-1. Every other game was a one-goal game. Edmonton had the big lead, obviously, in game three, had a lead in game four, blew leads and lost in OT. And look, Mike Smith, 9-23 that year. 9-15 last season. But certainly against... Winnipeg, Connor Hellebuck was better than him. I I could see Winnipeg spit in a bit here. I would not rule out the Calgary Flames to make in the playoffs. Could we I mean, I'd say it's a long shot, the combination of Edmonton finishing first and Calgary finishing eighth, or maybe Edmonton finishing second in the Western Conference and Calgary seventh, I guess. Well no, wait, Seattle's gonna come in seventh. So they, we're talking one spot. It would have to be one and eight. Long shot for me to happen. Oilers get Anaheim twice in the next six days. Their head coach is a former Edmonton Oilers head coach, and that is Dallas Akins. Dallas will join us at 105 after a global news weather traffic update. Kevin Robertson.